Toby, I got a question. Bye. What the hell am I gonna do? Welcome, friends. Lostgarf here, and I have no guests for podcast. Uh, uh, they, uh, I tried multiple people, and sometimes things don't work out, I suppose. Okay, so there were things I wanted to talk about this week, so I'm gonna talk about them, and I guess it's just gonna be me, and I want opinions, because obviously this conversation is gonna be one-sided. Yeah. Uh, first up has gotta be the, uh, Shadow of War. Shadow of War, come on. Um, Jim Sterling just put out a video, and then he put out another one about Shadow of War. He had one about Shalab, now he's got one about, of course, the microtransactions. So, if you don't know about the microtransactions with Shadow of War, here's what's going on. The game was coming out in August, right? And now the game's coming out in October. It got pushed back. And I can't help but wonder if that has to do with the microtransactions. And here's what the microtransactions are. There's going to be loot boxes, loot chests, okay, loot chests, war chests, and then bundles of these things. And what you're getting out of these boxes are there's going to be equipment for your for Talion. There's going to be orcs in here or Uruks. I think I, th I think it's orcs. It's orcs. Let me say I'm going to say orcs to make it simple. And then there is also XP boosts. And then I think there's other things, but that's the main ones right there. So. I had my rant video, Angry Joe had a rant video, Jim Sterling has his video about things. I think Angry Joe and Jim Sterling explained it a lot better than I did because I just had initial rage about it. But just looking at it more and more and understanding more about the situation, it's, I'm like wondering, what the hell? Uh, it, it is very much a grab for a, a goodwill hit. It's really what it is. WB knows damn well a lot of people... We're looking forward to this game, that a lot of people really wanted to play this game. And August would have been a perfect time for it because there's going to be no competition for this game. I don't get why it's not in August, it's in October now. And I think it's because this is my complete assumption, supposition, conjecture, whatever the right word is here. I think it has to do with the microtransaction. This is going to come out soon after E3, and instead it gets pushed back to October. And I think the pushback is to implement microtransactions because there was so much hype over this game coming. And also for Monolith to try to balance around that. That's what I'm thinking. That's really what I'm thinking because last time we saw something like this, it was very sloppy with Deus Ex and it was a mess. It was not very good. And so I'm thinking that Shadow of War took that into account. What worries me about that is they could crap up the game to incentivize needing to buy these chests. And that's not good. That's really not good at all. And that is my concern. That is definitely my concern for dang sure. And I'm worried. I really am worried. I talked about this in the vlog earlier, but I'm very much worried about what Shadow of War is going to be because of that. And it makes me unsure. And having watched Jim Sterling's whole thing about it, even more so now, I don't feel good about it. To the point that I think it's my third pick for October. I think it is. Uh, my number one pick was going to be Shadow of War. Now it is freaking Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein's number one pick. Number two pick is Destiny 2. And then it is Shadow of War. They knocked down the game I wanted to play since I first heard about it to third pick. That is how I feel about these microtransactions. And the argument is, you don't have to pay for them. You don't have to buy them. You don't. But it's not supposed to be there in the first place. This is a single-player game you spend $60 on to play. 
That is damning. It's a $60 game, and it's single player. There's a multiplayer mode that is stupid. That should not be there, but it is there to incentivize whale buying for multiplayer to get you some legendary orcs. Legendary orcs. And that's not okay. That's not okay at all. And I really, it just turns me off. It really turns me off. And that is a conversation I am wanting to have is just, it's really, I don't actually know anyone who's okay with this. I want to actually talk to someone who is okay with this to understand what is wrong with you. <laughs> That's the best way I'm going to put it because it's not okay. Now, there is the argument uh, that I uh, disagree with with Jim Sterling. Jim Sterling's argument is you give them an inch, they'll take the whole hand. And that was the, what happened with Overwatch's loot boxes. This is just for skins and everything. For me, it's okay. I think loot boxes are fine. Some people feel like loot boxes, even just for cosmetics, is not okay in a $60 game. And I I think, yeah, going back and forth on that, I think, okay, sure, okay. Uh, I'm fine with you not being okay with that. I am okay with it, but I'm fine with you not being okay with that. Where I'm not okay with it is just the existence at all of having XP boosters in a single-player game. Why is that a thing? Why is XP boosters a thing in a single-player game? It's to speed things up? If your single-player game is being oddly grindy like that, that's not good that you need to speed things up. The only games where that's okay are games that are about the grind, and that is JRPGs. JRPGs and basically Dark Souls. These are games that are about grinding to get to your position here. Shadow of War. Shadow of Mordor. Was a fantastic game that never felt like a grind. I loved playing that game. I enjoyed it a lot. I 100%ed that game. And it did not feel like a grind. I was just having fun. I was getting things. I was finding things. Nothing felt like a drag. The fact that there's XP boosters worries me that there's going to be a drag here, that there's going to be a grind here. Because why else would those exist? If you... Why would you, why would you not incentivize people having to buy these things? Because it's just business. Business is going to incentivize that stuff. I play mobile phone games because I'm an idiot. I play war, war games. I, I play games that are like, uh, was it Art of War or whatever that one is called. Whatever. A bunch of those. I play the Clash of Clans games. I played those kind of games. And I played the other ones where you have like a hero and they can get captured and stuff like that. And you're building a base and everything. And these games have whales who spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Because of them, that's what WB's looking for. There's no one else they're looking for. They don't care about you and me, the little people buying this stuff. That'll add up a little bit. But it's about the whales. It's about the ones who are going to spend thousands of dollars trying to get those legendary orcs. That is the, what it's really about. And that sucks. It screws over everyone else for that hunt. That is a Moby Dick hunt that's going to screw us all over, and I'm not happy with that. To the point that I might not even play it. Because it is third pick. It is number three. Whatever money we have for October, it goes to Wolfenstein. If we have any more, it goes to freaking Destiny 2. The only chance of us playing Shadow of War is if I get a review code, or if we get freaking donated it. Because I don't see us having the money for it. I don't. And that's a damn shame. But I am kind of okay with it. 
And that sucks. It really does. That's how I feel about these microtransactions. It's not okay because it's power in a single player game. When you buy a single player game, it's for different reasons. It is to enjoy the gameplay, or it is to enjoy the story, or it's to have something to do. None of these things are enhanced by a microtransaction. None of them. If you enjoy the game and it does become grinding, you enjoy the grind, then you're good. If you like if you're interested in the story, you're gonna play through that thing. It's it's more skill-based as well, besides stat-based, so you can get through the story. There you go. You don't need any microtransactions for the story. And just yeah, just playing the game, grinding it, or just having something to do. You don't need microtransactions to just play a game. I don't understand this. I really don't understand having microtransactions as a single-player game. It is such an insidious thing to do. It is not a thing that should be, and yet it is. And that's terrible. It is flat-out terrible. Huh, <laughs> covers my hand. It is flat-out terrible. It's, it really is. And it's it sucks. It really sucks. And I'm very much not happy about it. And so it's third pick. It's third pick. That is damning for me. It really is. That is... And well, here's, here's an argument back and forth on me is, is that a weak stance? That if I had all the money in the world, I would just buy it and I'd still play it anyway. It's just that I, my, my stance is, I'm only going to play it if it's donated. I'm only going to play it if we somehow have enough money to buy it. I'm only going to play it if it gets sent to us as a review copy. And maybe it is a weak stance. Perhaps it is a weak stance that I'm not just outright boycotting it. It's because I don't... I don't know if... Here's, here's what makes it murky. Is this is WB's doing. Monolith doesn't have a choice. I think I've, I've yelled at Monolith a little bit. Well, it's not really Monolith who I mean to yell at. It is definitely a WB. Monolith was crafting this game. And they have a delay. And I'm giving them the excuse that I think that it was the microtransaction. I think it's this. Maybe there were bugs as well. Who knows? But microtransactions are in this thing. And there's no way this is something they want. Who develops a game with microtransactions in mind? That Because after playing Shadow of Mordor, I can't fathom that at all. I can't see that in my mind as something they would actually want. That was a solid game. Very good. One of my favorites of that year. I don't... I don't know. So I don't see them willingly wanting this. And so it really sucks for them. So if you if the game somehow doesn't get really good on sales, who gets blamed? Does the studio get blamed? Uh, the publisher get blamed? Or the developers? Who gets the blame there? Does WB go like, no, the microtransactions were a fine idea. Your game's just terrible. Who gets the blame? How often do executives get blamed? It's always the lower guys. It's always the, the people in the middle and the below. It's not the people at the top who ever get blamed. That's always how it is. And so I wonder if a complete boycott, just not, not having any avenue or willingness to play the game, that just screws over the developer, not screws over uh, WB. I've had that thought, and I'm not sure. I am unsure... Uh, what the impact is. Back when there was um, Mass Effect 3, some people boycotted. Most uh, 
Most notable, of course, was Total Biscuit. He did not play... Uh, he, did, he played one and two, did not play three. He boycotted the third game because he did not like their practices and microtransactions. And it's an agreeable complaint. It's, uh, yeah, it's a pretty... Not a very good... Uh, not like uh, DLC. It was a pretty good complaint on DLC about that. That is not a good practice there. I can see how much everyone hated the the ending. I guess maybe didn't miss out. But that's a digression in that um, should you boycott a game is an art is a discussion worth having. And and it I'd say it would, it would depend on the reason for it. And for this one, it's microtransactions. And the question is. Would it actually have an effect? That's what worries me. Would it harm the developer more, or would it harm the publisher more? And I feel like, and this is maybe cynicism, that it would hurt the developers more than it would hurt the, the publisher. That is my feeling about it. And it's just, I, it's such a cynical thought, and I think that's what it would be. The only way, I think, and this, and maybe there you go, is that they would under that they would understand that it was the executives having a bad idea is if the game was bought very well but overwhelmingly the market doesn't get utilized if there was just basically a silence a non-usage of the market with actual money if that happened that would say volumes that's the that's the best you can do for uh, getting your cake and eating it too, right there. As far as the players go, is everyone who won the game buying the game, playing the game, and no one participating in the market. If that happened, that would be something. That would be quite the statement. I don't know if just a full on boycott was a, it would be a better statement or not. It does say that even trying to do this is offensive to some people. And they don't want to play the game because of that. That is what that message could be as well. But I don't think that's what the executives see. The executives would see, oh, so much for all that hype. Not a lot of people bought the thing. I don't know. At the end of the day, I don't know, but I have my assumptions. And they're not positive assumptions. And so, I don't know. I really don't. There was another conversation. And that was complaint. One more, uh, basically one more Shadow of War thing. <laughs> I'm having fun having the Kirby there, but he does get in the way. Um, the Shadow of War thing is about Shalab. How it's... Uh, that spider, if you've never read or watched Lord of the Rings and don't know who the, who the Shalab is, that's the, that's the spider that Samwise deals with. And that spider is a bit of a menace. But this spider's in this game. And it's a hot chick. And so the thing's like, what the hell? Why is it a hot chick? And I've seen a bunch of different conversations about it. And for me... The way I see it is it's a spider and it takes this form and the idea there is to try to entice Italian or just tr being attracted to try to entice because it's a spider. It is a, it, I think it's a Black Widow basically. So you get the idea. They're Black Widow trying to be attractive to get the kill. As a, as a, that is, if you, if you want to explain it, there you go. It is definitely eye candy. It is on purpose eye candy. The playing the first one, what was the eye candy really? You have Talion's wife before she goes, and then you have that one chick. No one was really attractive in Shadow of War. I mean, Shadow of Mortar. They really weren't. They really weren't. Uh, there was just a chick and her mom. That's it. They're okay looking. This one, the chicks are a bit hotter, and 
I don't, I don't, why is the bet is a good question. Why, why even do it? And it's just simply eye candy. It's trying to draw in more people. I don't see how uh, attractive side characters is meant to pull in more people, but it is what it is. It is very much, uh, I will, I will say WB thing. I will put it more on WB than I'll put it on Monolith for that one as well. I might be scapegoating WB too much, maybe. Maybe some of these are conscious decisions by Monolith. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt because of playing the first game. Shadow of Mordor was not like this. Shadow of War looks like it's going to have these things like this, and I feel like it is from pressure. I feel like that's definitely what it is. Because why have that? It's like making a movie and then inserting some random love interest or, or plot in there just so it can cover more demographics. Because the rule in movies is to cover at least two demographics. And so that's why you see uh, some sort of love situation going on in an action movie. It's not really necessary for an action movie, but it's in there many, many times. The Thor movie has the, the Natalie Portman. It is the weakest part of that movie. It's just they always have to have some sort of love interest thing. They, they don't they have to for some reason. I don't think they have to, but they do. And so it's doing the same thing with this game. It's having eye candy, and it doesn't need to be there. This should be a game where you're wrecking things. You have allies. Their looks shouldn't be that important. They're just people there as well. And it should be a lot of fun. And yeah, it's just why. I remember one person reading one comment. They were saying that they'd be fun. It was like some old crone. She'll have an old crone status. She's just in that form, guiding talent along. I'm like, it's an evil entity. This They're not going to be an old crone to guide them along. They're, you go old crone if you want to make someone uh, feel at ease around you. You'll be creepy, but they think you're a frail old lady so they can deal with you or something like that. Or, did, or everyone trusts an old lady, unless they're scary looking. But just being an attractive chick also works. And as a spider chick, I think that works out pretty well. It's, that's a trope as well. But that's something I think that you would, if you were a, if you were a scary spider thing and you could make a, a human form, I think you'd try to make something enticing so you draw them in and then you wreck them. I think that's what you would do, and that's the excuse I'll give for that. But it didn't need to be at all. It would I think it would have been fine if he was just dealing with a giant scary spider. That would have been freaking cool. But no, no, he's dealing with a human form for some reason. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. How's this look when I have Kirby in front of me? Digressing from Shadow of War, we've talked enough about that, and that's the conversation we're having. Is boycott worth doing? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But maybe I'm wrong on that one. Uh, is cosmetics fine or not? I feel it's fine. I think it's fine. Uh, in Overwatch, in this, I think it could be DLC, just like it is for XCOM and other games, where it's like five dollar DLC for all these other things. Who doesn't want to dress up their Uruk to look cooler? I do. I would do that. Well, I uh, we we're not gonna spend any money on the cosmetics. We never do. But if I was, if I had an embarrassment of riches, maybe I would buy a, a clothing pack or so. Like if I really like X, I really like XCOM too. But if I had money to just throw at the wall or do whatever, I donate that money first. But after that, uh, I would buy these cosmetic DLCs. <laughs> um. Because I can pretty up my things. Yeah, there you go. I would love to make just wicked looking Uruks. I can't believe there is no 
clothing DLC or clothing chest. I'm surprised they didn't go for a cosmetic thing. Instead, they went for buy for power. It's very weird. It's extremely weird to have buy for power. And that tacked on multiplayer game to justify it and to pull in the whales, that's really what that is. That is whale bait. That is nothing more than whale bait. And not a fan. Not a fan of that at all. I really am not. Jeez. But now, stepping away from that, they are considering bringing esports to the Olympics. So this is a conversation worth having. Is that okay? Should esports be at the Olympics? Should, should that be a thing or not? And that's an interesting debate. Now, it, I think it depends on how you view the Olympics. Uh, do you view the Olympics as purely physicality? Like, it's all about physical prowess. If, is that all it is? Nothing necessarily very mental, just mostly physical. That is the question. There is some mentalness to doing physical things, but it's like it's very much physical ability. Think about let's go with just the Summer Olympics. You got the gymnastics, there's a bunch of just moving around and everything with that. And it's a lot of muscle memory, in my opinion. It's a lot of muscle memory doing all things, all the things they, they have to do. Memorizing all that stuff is muscle memory, is my argument. I would argue that's what it is. Then you, of course, got running, you got Usain Bolt. He lost his retirement run, but Someone like Usain Bolt, just, you just run really fast. How much thought do you need in there? I think it's really muscle memory there. You got your blocks, which is how you, how you get off the gun and then you move and everything. That is all muscle memory from just practice, 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 practice. The mental stuff is, I think, just keeping whatever distractions out when you do your run. And same thing for swimming. It is just lots of practice and then they just go and you're just swimming and swimming and swimming. And keeping your mental fortitude as you're swimming. But it's not really using more an alumical side of the mind. It's very physical. Extremely physical. You've got pole vaulting. You've got so many things that use just physicality. But there are sports in the Olympics that are not very physical. They are more... Like, they're all, all these things are physical and skill-based. But this is mostly skill-based, and that is shooting. You got to be able to, of course, aim a gun and everything and reflexes, but doesn't require you to be super physically fit. One of the best shooters in the world, I can't remember her name right now, she is the best shooter in the world when it comes to skeet. She lands every single shot. She never misses. She's not exactly a very healthy individual. She has amazing reflexes, amazing aim, Amazing shooting, but she's not a very physically fit person uh, by the standards of all these other athletes. And it's not the only event that's like that. And so you're like, well, that's not really a physicality thing. That's there. There, it's more reflexes. It's uh, meant. It's mind and body together because you got to re, re, re. You have to have reflexes to the things and shoot them in and such and such. And. Yeah, it's not exactly the most physically demanding thing. Another one is going over to the Winter Olympics. You know, you got all your skiing, you got snowboarding, you've got all those things, you've got hockey. But hockey does use strategizing, strategizing strategy. Soccer uses strategy as well, besides running around and everything. And then there's curling. Curling, there is some physicality to it, but it's a lot of planning. It's a lot of Plotting your shots, it's a lot of nuance to it. It's 
how physical is that compared to some other things? And so maybe there is a place for it, uh, for esports at the Olympics because of that, because these are international sports. Esports is growing and there is a lot of people playing it. Well, okay. There's a certain age group that's playing it esports pro-wise because there's a thing is esports is a very young sport in age and in the group that can actually play it. You gotta be in like 20s. Once you're hitting late 20s, 30s, your your reflexes are just not as good as they were earlier. If you've ever watched a StarCraft Pro match, it is amazing how fast they're moving, their APM, all that stuff. It is amazing. I used to wanna be at that level. I was never good enough. But it's amazing just seeing the reactions, it's very intense. It is a very intense process playing in a tournament. It's a very intense process being there, trying to be the best, because you're doing so many things. Your eyes going everywhere, your hands going everywhere, both of them. You're doing a lot of key hitting over here. You're doing a lot of mouse moving over here. Your eyes are looking everywhere. You're double-checking everything. You're keeping a bunch of different things in your head. Build times, the timing of things, what your enemy's doing. There's so much going on. It doesn't necessarily work your body exactly, but it is an exhausting process. It very much is. It does take a toll. And so it does play a bit in physical in a, in a way, but it's also very mental. And if you can argue for that, then you can also argue for chess. Like chess is slow, but it is a lot of planning. It is a lot of strategy. It's a lot of thought. And that is something you can argue is the Olympics don't have enough mental. They don't have enough uh, just mental... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, peak mental. We have a lot of peak muscle body. A lot of peak speed, peak strength, peak, peak dexterity. But do we have a lot of peak intellect in the Olympics is a question. And there are a lot of events in the Olympics that maybe you don't know. And... I I don't know. I would like to see... A, well, it depends on how you define the Olympics. If you define it as just physical physicality, then there you go. The running, the gymnastics, the swimming, the jumping, all that stuff. But there might not be enough representation of mental. And so, yeah, maybe chess. Yeah, maybe esports in there. That, I think, might be worthwhile. And they are international sports. Look at the international, for God's sakes. Look at the many tournaments that League of Legends has. Look at Overwatch, the world, uh, what's it called right now? That's happening right now, I believe. The Well, it was happening. The World Cup for Blizzard. You have HRX, which happens in the spring. There are, there are so many things that are international with these. And so, why not have it at the Olympics? Why not ha try to bring the best? And the thing is, you can't... The thing about that one with the Olympics... Definitely for esports, this would only I, it would only be summer, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to say. Like you, I wouldn't put in winter because winters, you know, deal with snow. I guess you'd have to put in summer Olympics, but it is indoors. And well, yeah, it had to be summer Olympics. But the thing about it would be the peak players would be in early twenties or late teens. We have teenagers at the gymnastics already, so early 20s, late teens. So you've got young adults in the Olympics. Besides gymnastics, that could be a big pull as well for viewership. 
because gymnastics is very, very teenager. It, the, the, the kids are very strong in that. They also do have some young divers as well, but esports would be a nice pull right there. And if you're all about ratings, that's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea at all. So I would be wondering if they would do that, if they would consider doing that, just drawing esports into the Olympics, because that is being considered. Chess probably is more boring, but I I would be interested in seeing the best of the best in chess, because that is that is a strategic thing, for sure. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, that's it. There it is. Oh, two more things. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? This is a funny one. This is a funny one. Blizzard is renaming Battle uh, the Blizzard app to Blizzard Battle.net. Oh, is it Kirby's in the way? <laughs> Maybe having Kirby was a mistake. It's never a mistake. But um, did they really think people were going to let go of Battle.net? Did they really think people were going to let go of Battle.net? Let me just look at it one more time. Yep. Blizzard Battle.net. That's, that's what it's called. Just looking at it to be sure I'm not crazy. Yeah, Blizzard Battle.net. Yup. Yup. My assumption is that the Blizzard app was just so named that because Destiny was coming. I think it was that because Battle.net had this whole baggage of it's only Blizzard. So Blizzard, also because you maybe wouldn't recognize that this is for Blizzard. So you call it Blizzard app instead so that you people know that Battle.net Blizzard app is for Blizzard. I guess, for name recognition, I understand that argument. But for diehard people who've been around for literally decades, Battle.net. It's just going to keep getting called Battle.net, so calling it Blizzard Battle.net isn't bad, but it's also just a dumb name. But a lot of things are dumb names, so what are you going to do, huh? And that was just something worth mentioning. Just, they changed the name again. They changed the name again. I think this will stick. I think it'll stick this time. And looking forward to, Blizz uh, to Destiny 2 on there. At some point, it might become Blizzard Activision uh, Battle.net, or they might just call it Battle.net again, or call it the AB Battle.net, or the BA Battle.net. I'd prefer BA Battle.net, because then you call it the Badass Battle.net. I think that'd be way better than the AB. It's like, abs, abs Battle.net, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other one is, uh, everyone's reviewing XCOM 2's expansion right now, and it's looking great, which is good news, because we really want to play that. So... I can't wait for that. I am really excited for XCOM 2. And what would be interesting would have been would, would be a conversation about Rabbids, Mario Rabbids and XCOM 2. Like what they're going to bring to the table here. Uh, they're not out yet, so it's not easy to talk about, but I did play Mario Rabbids and it was really fun. It was very very fun. I really enjoyed it. It's a bit more simplified than XCOM, but it has its own complications. And maybe I should spend some time uh, talking about that for a moment. So in that game, you have three characters instead of, you know, you can have four to six in XCOM 2. At least in the demo I played. It was a 20-minute demo. And in it, you're just running from where you are to the next battle, to the next battle, to the next battle. And from what I could tell, you have full HP every battle. So you... It's all about how well you can handle each battle as you go from full HP, which is... A thing I'm liking these days with RPGs, where every battle is you at full HP. It's you at full 100% capacity. You're not managing potions and stuff. 
between battles, you're just managing that battle. And what that does is it allows balancing to only care about what you are at 100%. So basically they have one template to worry about with balancing. It's like, well, you're going to be at this battle at 100%. So how do we make it challenging? And what level should you be at this point? And then there you go with that. Whereas if you go through a series of battles in one go, they'll be like, okay, what level should they be around this point? Okay. How much HP do you think they'll lose in this battle before they get to the next one? Well, they have enough potions that they could heal up for this point and stuff like that. If you want to make it a rewarding situation, a rewarding series of battles. But by making the battle 100% the entire time, you're fully healed in this battle, next battle you're fully healed, next and so on and so forth. They can make it a challenging battle one after the other. That's how I feel. That's why I like having it where you have 100% each battle. I like it that way. That digresses from uh, rabbits, though. So it's XCOM, you have three characters, they, they can go behind cover, they can shoot from cover, and it's as you would expect to play if you're playing on a console. So it's just uh, quickly going between each character, you're not mousing on things. You can still, with the console, uh, move the marker around to look at things, but you can also just quick go to your targets, which you can also do on keyboard as well. But... You have your main gun, you also have a special that each character has. And there's this one mechanic that is different. That is, well, there's two mechanics that are different from XCOM. That is, one is you can run over and melee the enemy and then go to cover. Because it's a slide attack. So what happens is, there's an enemy rabbit behind cover. Mario can run over, slide attack that rabbit, and run behind cover. And this doesn't use up your um, your action point for shooting, so you can still get the cover after running over this guy and then shooting at them. So it's a way to get extra damage. You're, you're using some of your movement to do this, though. So you're probably not going to go as far, or maybe you put yourself in a compromising position because you ran over there to hit him, and now you're going to be in a not-perfect position because we'll use some movement to go there. And so that's an interesting sacrifice to do melee. And then you shoot at them. There's also destructible terrain, which is a thing in XCOM as well. But it just, um, I feel like terrain is, it's so silly having this Kirby here. I feel like the terrain is much more destructible in Mario. And well, in that the, it, it gets, incrementally gets broken as you're going. Whereas for XCOM, you have like building walls and you could be near a gas station or near a car or something. And those can blow up or everything like that. And they might not necessarily get, like, a shot could miss and not hit the cover. While it feels like in Mario, from what I played, shots that don't land are destroying cover. They're not just whiffing off, they're destroying cover, which is what I've noticed at least. But they do have, speaking of cars, they have blocks that are explodable, where you don't hit the target, you hit the block, and boom, it just blows up on the person. And there's a fire effect, where if an enemy gets hit and they're burning on fire, they'll run in random directions because they're on fire, and I believe it also works on your characters as well. Another mechanic is you can jump off other characters. You can have Mario take cover if you're right in the middle, like really nearby, and have your other two characters jump off Mario further off into deeper territory. That's a thing you can do. So that's pretty cool as well. And in the demo I played, Mario had a special attack, Peach Rabbit had a heal, and Luigi Rabbit had a shield. Also, what I like is it is a Mario game, so there is exploration, and exploring around is rewarded with coins, which you can use to buy upgrades. You can also find upgrades. There's leveling in this game as well. 
So I think it's a pretty good XCOM-like game with Mario and the Rabbids. So I am looking forward to seeing that game. I don't have a Switch yet, so I won't be playing it, but I am looking forward to seeing it. But it does release the same day as XCOM 2 expansion, so that's something. That is such a... I'm calling it a Blizzard move, because Blizzard did that. Blizzard has done things where they release at the same time as some other game. Just to hurt them a little bit. They've done that. Or they do sales or something. They did that to Battleborn. That was mean. They did the Battleborn repeatedly. They did, what was it? They did a sale or a free weekend when Battleborn released. They did one of these things when Battleborn released. They also did, I believe, a free weekend when Battleborn was doing their free beta thing. So they were, they were being a little scummy towards Battleborn for sure. I can't remember if they did the same thing for a different game. I don't think it was Paragon. There was another game where Blizzard has done some scummy things because they are competition. And it's like, it's a bit, it's a bit, a bit dickish, a bit dickish there, but they've done it. I've gone over some topics here. I think that's all really, I really want to talk about this week. Of course, as you know, with these podcasts, they may not even go over the topics I want to talk about. Sometimes we're just talking about whatever we're feeling about. In review of the podcasts, my favorite podcast so far was the Jaggerus one, episode six, where we're talking about just comments and people. It was a very interesting conversation. I, I had fun with the Kylex talk. I've had talks with the, the other Jaggerus talk and the, the Verbal and John from Killer Bits talks. But my favorite so far is episode six. That's for sure. And hopefully this is not a common thing where sometimes my guests fall through. Uh, I got one guest, it didn't work out. I got another guest, it didn't work out. Sometimes it just happens like that, and hopefully it doesn't happen too often. Future plans, I... I have two developers I want to talk to right now. I, their game... One developer, the game has already come out. So this is a bit post, and, like, right now, they're in the phase of correcting any bugs that people find, and after that point, they should be in this little bit of a period right after, which is a reflection period where they can talk about their stuff in reflection. I want that developer if I can. There's another developer where their game doesn't come out until September. So I want to get them, talk to them about their game, about the development of the game before it comes out, like their anticipation and everything before the game comes out. And if I can't get them before, maybe I'll try to get them after. These are developers I'm trying to get. Hopefully it works out. Musical composers. I have no idea how I'm going to contact them. I don't know how busy composers are. Developers, of course, are very busy as well. Uh, but developers, I think, are such a big milestone to try to achieve and getting one on. Even just an indie one. And so I'm working on that. At some point, if I could contact a game artist, I would love to have a game artist on. I would love to have uh, just mostly game-related stuff and then eventually other things. Artists in general would be cool to talk to. Cosplayers, not just gaming cosplayers, would be interesting to talk to. Because cosplayers are cosplayers. I know who I want for cosplay. I know who I want to talk to. I just haven't talked to him in literal months. Oh my god. Um, and there's other guests I want. And there, there's plenty of guests I want to have on here. And we're going to see more content creators, of course. We're going to see streamers. All that stuff. I'm still... I'm working both in the comfort zone and out of the comfort zone. And I have, I have people. I have people I want to talk to. And we'll see who I talk to. I want this podcast, uh, I want this podcast to be something special. I really like 
having conversations. I want to have more conversations. I think what I talked about today would be interesting to have a conversation about. And so I hope some people do make comments because I want to know what do you think about how I'm feeling about Shadow of War? Because this is, this is a game I wanted so bad and I am just so torn on. I really don't know what I want to do about Shadow of War. It is third choice right now, though. And then the Olympics. What are your thoughts on the Olympics? Physicality. Your thoughts on esports at the Olympics. Other sports that aren't necessarily very physical. Things like that. Um, those are the main ones. And then just just laughing about Blizzard, Battle.net, and um, and then there you go about XCOM. Uh, XCOM, Rabbids, and Mario. And uh, we will have XCOM 2 expansion when it comes out. We're going to play it, of course, with viewers. That should be really fun. And I can't wait for that. And that is basically a podcast. Solo Scarf Run. There you go. Hopefully it uh, doesn't happen too often, but it happened this time. And of course, give feedback. How you think things could be better. Obviously, Kirby shouldn't be this. He's blocking me a little bit. I just I thought it'd be funny to have Kirby here. But, um... I had fun talking. Hope you had fun watching and listening. That's what's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by and see you next time. <laughs>